The information on this podcast is not intended or implied to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. All information contained on or related to this podcast is for general information purposes only. Hey guys, thanks for joining us for another episode of Guts and Glory. You're about to hear part two of our interview with the resilient Montana Skirka. So let's rejoin Montana as she talks about her experience as a childhood cancer survivor and now as an IBD warrior. Hi everybody, I'm Lisa. And I'm Chantel, and this is Guts and Glory. You're awarded for being strong. Right. In a, in a way that's not, they're not doing this to you purposely, but when a nurse or a doctor or a parent or a loved one says to you, like, you did so well today. Yeah. Like, you were so strong today. You get today. all this confirmation for being like, oh, wow. And, and yeah. But a, the seven-year-old should be, it, it's, it's normal yeah. for yeah. a kid to be upset and when they're going through that, right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, yeah. But I don't know, like, you, you're not given, where can you... Where can you have that space when you're taught you're a young girl and, you know, like, it's good to be polite and it's good to be happy yeah. and it's good to make other people feel good. And, you know, you're a big, I was a big sister. I felt responsible for my siblings. Like, I wanted to be that role model for them, I guess. And you need to be strong because you don't want to put that, you don't want to be other than that because it's too hard for your family. Exactly. Yeah. So I can't let my you you don't let your guard down because as soon as you do that, you let other people in and they have to take on your grief and your suffering. Yeah, and and for me there was a, a huge connection with all the schoolwork too, like having to be a good student and having to do well, yeah. having to please people. I'm definitely a big people pleaser, but I yeah. find that a lot of people with seems to be a connection. Yeah. I don't know. Well, all I'm the these same thing things. with work. Like I don't take days off work. Like I went to school with my IV pump. Like my nurse would come in in the morning, change my IV. She'd come back to my school at lunch, change my like change the bag, then come back and like he, I named it Tim. My students named it Tim, and I'm thinking to myself like people get a runny nose and they stay home for three exactly. days. Like why? Why am I doing this? So when yeah. I think like, back, so and know. it's not their fault. Like I'm not saying oh you have runny nose you stayed home for three days. That's no. ridiculous. I'm saying like I want to be like you. I just want to so be like you. Or I just want to deal with normal. I want to yes. deal with my sick like you deal with your yeah, normal yeah. sick. Yes. Yeah. We talk about know? normal sick a lot. Yeah. Like the joy of just getting a cold. I don't even know what normal sick is. You know? Because if you get, we get a cold, which we do, we get cold. Yeah. But you you don't just have a cold. Then your Crohn, your Crohn's kicks yeah. up, your ulcerative colitis kicks up, then this kicks up, then your anxiety kicks Like it's just, I don't just get to be like a head cold. I don't just get, yeah. I don't just get to feel pressure in my face for seven days. Like, you know? Yeah, so, I mean, can, like, when I was at Queens, I don't think anyone would have known. Of course not. But I was in and out of the hospital. I was terrified. I was getting flare-ups every few months. I would get a really bad flare. I'd be put on prednisone. I was, then you'd it was a mess. I was yeah. a mess physically um, and emotionally and mentally and alone. I mean... You know, I was trying to be alone because that's another thing. You want to yeah. be independent at that age. You want to feel like, I can do this. I'm going to yeah. leave my parents. I'm going to start this new life for I'm myself. An I'm an adult. Like, my parents have had enough to deal with with me yeah. so far. I don't want to put any more. I want to take this on myself. So I'm trying my hardest to, like, do well in school. Um, but then I'm also dealing with the flares. But not only that, it's, like, the terror of the flare coming on. Man. Like, Every I time your stomach... 
you feel anything in your stomach, you're like, it's it's code red. Yeah. I still panic yeah. to that to this day. I, but I in do too. <laughs> but in 12 <laughs> years, like my first eight years with the disease, so I'd say the last four years I've been better better than I was. Yeah. Yes, knock on wood. Um, the first eight years of my disease, I was in and out of the hospital. I think I had like 32 hospital stays. The longest, the shortest being like 11 days, the longest six weeks. And again, like what does that do to your mental health? Yeah. Yeah. Like, obviously. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like when you when you're so like terrified. even if I was taking even if I was taking no medication because the medication I don't care what anybody says the medication impacts your mental health your the the does. chemical balances and no matter how strong of a person you're you are there's no way you can take all that medication and it not yeah. do something to your mental health right and you know, so there's no way. The definition of anxiety is like fear of the future and fear of lack of control. And these diseases cause a actual All lack of fear. control and a, a, a normal fear of the future. So it, it actually makes a lot of sense that we have anxiety and it makes a lot of sense that we get depressed about it because we feel that lack of control and agency and fear in our lives. So, you know, when you don't have the tools to manage it, it can become a nightmare. Oh, absolutely. So you ended up having to have surgery. So, yes. So my queen's experience was this chaotic, very difficult time for me. And it resulted in, and, and part of that was also even just deciding. Okay, and the, the way this decision was presented to me was, again, with a little bit of a lack of, you know, the empathy and the care that I would have con uh, yeah. appreciated. Essentially, it was presented like, okay, so you are 18, 19, 20, you can go on Remicade, which will increase your risk of an incurable form of lymphoma, which is in the same family as leukemia, which you've already had. We don't know exactly what the risk is because you're such a unique case that how do we know? Congratulations. Congrats. Yeah. <laughs> or you can get your colon removed and... Um, it's, you know, you know how it's presented. It's sort of a cure, but then you also don't have a major organ and you have to have major surgeries right. and, also, you know, the whole thing that comes with that. So the, those were my were two. So the it was presented to me pretty early. Like, as like soon seven. as they saw that, like, the I had to keep being on prednisone. I had kept having these flares. Yeah. So it's getting worse and worse. So the like, chronic prednisone is when surgery options start being presented right. to yeah, you. Yeah. I've already, again, been on prednisone for a pretty significant part of my life at that point. So clearly it's not working. It's just, it's, you know, it, it being on it that through. long, yeah. your risk of osteoporosis, yeah. osteoporosis yeah. goes up. It's not great for you. None of these things are good for your body. Yeah. So uh, I was presented with this um, pretty early and Did you had to surgery? make that decision. And yeah. that decision in and of itself was a very anxiety provoking, oh, terrifying. And I didn't know who to talk to about that. Besides my parents, who, thank God, tried to help me as best they could, but had their own anxiety and fear and, you know, around it. So the three of us sat around the kitchen table one day, and we were like, okay, what do we do? And we decided, by the time I was 21, which was my fourth year of university, mm. so this was how, I don't want to say crazy, but how crazy, how, how much focused I was on school and how important school was at that point. So you wanted to have surgery after so school? So I was like, okay, <laughs> this is what I'm going to do. I don't want to have any interruption in my university. So I'm going to finish first term of fourth year early, as early as possible. I'm going to get my surgery. I think term ends December 6th. I'll get the surgery December 7th. So you can be back January. So I can be back in January to the end. Yes. Yeah. 
spend you know what's crazy university and then go to grad school the next year she's actually and sitting no here. one will even know anything about this major surgery that I've gotten she's actually sitting here saying this and I kid you not Lisa like I'm sitting here like I I know exactly what she's gonna say I know exactly what you're going to say but isn't it crazy how similar we are we've never like, met and I literally yeah. feel like we're and we shouldn't be saying and I shouldn't be I should be like Montana. It's crazy. That is insane. It's like, you know, it's but, I, but in reality, I'm like, yes. You're I'm like, so close. I'm so close as, to finishing As it. soon as she said December, I was like, oh, yeah, she could have surgery. She could be back to school by January. Yeah. Like, no, what? Like, So what did happen? So what happened was I finished the term December 6th. I had the surgery, I think, December 8th. Um, 2011. Oh my God, like two days later. <laughs> I went to pre-op December 7th. Had my surgery December 8th. Had the total colectomy. My total, um, yeah. So the so you had the large the large intestine removed from right. my body started. So did they give you an did they give you an os like an ileostomy? I had an ileostomy. Okay. Okay. Yes. Okay. So then you had a reversal, obviously. So, well, <laughs> um, yeah, we'll get to that point. So basically, what happened was I am recovering pretty normally for the first few days. Um, you know, I can okay. talk for two hours about what it's like to go through the surgeries, but we don't have to get into that right now. Mm-hmm. But as soon as they introduce food. Um, back, Ugh. I started to throw up bile, at, well, the food, and then quickly bile. I didn't stop throwing up for like a week, every half hour. I was in such Whether you were severe eating or not. pain. Right. I did not eat after that first bite of the first meal. I was in such severe pain and nausea. They were pumping me with every anti-nausea medication they could possibly think of. Like, I went off of the drugs because they didn't know. They're like, maybe the morphine is causing you to be ill. Nobody knew what was wrong with me. So at this time, was your stoma outputting anything or was literally everything coming the other way? It, I don't even remember. I just remember being, having tubes in every part of my body and being like, can somebody please kill me? Like, in yeah. the most severe pain and nausea that I've ever experienced in my life. And they, they didn't know what was wrong. And... The, the lack of support when you're hospitalized is another important thing I think that people should understand. Like, you know, you have a team of doctors that come by your bed at like 5.30, 6 in the morning for about 30 seconds. The if rest of lucky. the day, if you're lucky, mm-hmm. the rest of the day it's nurses who some are happy and some are some are great and some are, you know. They're not. Dealing. But dealing. Just like, just just like dealing. every yeah, profession. Just like every profession. Yeah. You are, compl- you're alone. I mean, you have... The amount of support that you have, but the nurses don't have power to give you anything. So even if you're in severe pain or they need or, approval first, they and need that approval. Take hours. And so I remember like trying to make sure that I was awake at five thirty when the doctors would whiz by my bed so I could ask my questions and be like, "What is going on? I'm so scared. I'm so terrified and in so much pain that I I cannot deal with my life right now." You know, again, the lack of mental health support that's available at that time is. It's not acceptable. It's not. It's not even lack of. It's non-existent. Yeah, it's I like wouldn't even you're say just, lack. You're you're yeah. filed into. You're filed onto your shelf until they can get done everything else. And I'm not. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm not disparaging doctors and nurses. No, it's That's our system. The it's the way that our system is set up. Yeah. Because I've had. Yeah. You know, I had a guest on my own podcast recently where we talked about this, and he's an internal medicine physician, and we were able to have a conversation, and you know. They're so overworked. At that 5.30 time, they've maybe been working 12 hours. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it's insane. It's just the way our system is set up that does not support people. <laughs> but that's another thing. Like, you know, yeah. 
He's saying that our caregivers need to take care of themselves first so that they can take care of us. Well, then our doctors and nurses need to be taken care of as well because Absolutely. they can take care of us. And we need like, to take care of them yeah. so that they can take care of us. Yeah. <laughs> we need to be partners yeah. in care. So what happened was the reason that that was happening was because I actually had a hole mm. in my small intestine. So you were like septic. Um, so Basically. I had a perforated duodenal ulcer. Okay. Okay. And I had to have a like life or death emergency surgery. My surgeon was, I think, I want to say hockey game. She was at a sports event with her son. She had was to somewhere. Be, <laughs> she was somewhere. She had to be called in. Like you need to come back right now and perform this surgery. And that's when they they reversed. And at that's that point? when they. So the first surgery was laparoscopic. That's when they just wheeled me in, cut me open, like full torso cut yeah. and repaired that, that wow. ulcer. So to have two major intestinal surgeries within a week? two weeks, two I think weeks, it was yeah. two weeks by that point. Yeah. The, the, tra the, I don't know the trauma to, and the it's recovery. It's impossible from... for me to explain. So but then when did you have to go? Afterwards, so. I was in very bad shape afterwards. How long did you have your ileostomy before it was reversed? Because you have a J pouch now, is Yes. It? So at that point, I said to myself, there is no way I'm going in for another surgery. Yeah. There's no way I'm getting this J pouch. Oh, because it was planned originally, We're this is going to be temporary. Yeah, it was a six oh. month and then you get the J-pouch. Oh. Um, so I was, so you're like, no, I'm not I was like, absolutely not. There is no way I'm going under the knife once again. Um, I couldn't even look at my ostomy. Like my mom would clean it and take care of it for the first week. Because again, I was, so eventually I was in Mount Sinai, December 2011, a month. I remember looking out the window. It so, sounds so dramatic and crazy, but it's hard to explain until you're in the situation. I remember looking out the window, it's Christmas, um, the 14th floor of Mount Sinai, it's pretty dead because they don't plan surgeries over Christmas so people can get a break. So it's only the people who are like, Emergency. need to be there. Yeah. It's only Montana. It's only me. <laughs> the only thing they tell you that you can do when you're recovering from these surgeries is you can walk yeah. around the hall mm -hmm. and that will be something you can do to make it all kind of start to go a little smoothly. Again, tubes in every part of my body, down my throat, you're mm. in my bladder, in my rectum, in my ostomy, everywhere. You're 21 years old. 21 years old. Again, keep in mind, I thought I was going to go back. Well, I actually... Yeah, I thought you were going back to I, school. So I did. Yeah, I, there's no doubt. I did. No, you went back to school. I did go back yeah, to school in January. of course January. you did. Of course you did. I did. And I took three courses, and I could hardly... <laughs> my dad, like, drove to Kingston, and he was like... I need to do your groceries for you because you can't even lift things. You're not supposed to lift things. And you're oh. going to school. Yeah, and I didn't want anyone to know that I had gone through that. Yeah, I am. I Man, it's <laughs> amazing what we will, uh, how we will evaluate our own ability to take on stress and and, and just how strong we are because we don't want to put it on We don't want to put else. it on anyone else. And I can see when you're talking about your dad, like, I, I'm, I have those feelings about my mom, too, and, and the amount of um, extra I asked her to do. Mm -hmm. I mean, no. and he, I never asked him. He knew. He, he knew. And he wanted yeah. to. He and they're not, too. I, my, my, my I never dad, asked her. he would, he, um. He came once. I was very sick. I was working. I was at university and working part-time. And we had a snowstorm. So silly. I worked at the mall. We had a snowstorm. And he, um, I got off work at 10 o'clock. And when I came out, my car had been completely wiped off of the snow and had been warmed up. Oh. oh my God. And he had a note in the car saying, like, drive safe. See you when you get home. You know? And I remember thinking, like, my dad drove all the way here, wiped off, off my car, the snow from my car. 
turned my car on enough to get it warm, left me a note, and went home. Wow. Like, you don't need to do this. But, <sighs> and it, yes, in small conversations, my parents would say, Chantal, you know, maybe you should take some time from school. Chantal, me, I don't think you should be working part-time anymore. Like, your dad and I will try our best to support you financially. There were those small conversations. But then that used to make me angry. Mm-hmm. because I don't want to stop doing these things. Like, I need to do these things, mom and dad. Like, I need to go to school. I need yeah. to be working. I need to be self-sufficient. So then they just started doing things like your like yes. your dad, driving to Kingston to get your groceries. Whatever I can do to make your life easier, because if this is what you want to do, then I have to support you in this. Because if I don't, you get I would get so upset. Yeah. And, and then I'd push them away. And again, it's like, well, no one else's, this is so embarrassing because no one else's dad is driving three hours to Kingston to buy them groceries, yeah. but no one else is recovering from two Yeah, right. I mean, we put these expectations on ourselves yeah. without understanding that it is not the same situation. Absolutely. But again, there is a need at that, It's an, there's an inherent need for a person to feel self-sufficient and feel agency in their life. So we're clinging on to this yeah. so tight. And just speaking for the parents out there, yes. there's an inherent need to feel like, like you, you, have, are you are doing do something. something. Right. Like you can yeah. be a part of it. Yes. Like you can make life a little bit easier. Yes. You know, I certainly yeah. feel that now, and I know that's what my my, my, mom my parents are the exact same thing. Like, you know, they can't make my disease better. They can't make me feel better. So my mom's gonna come over and clean my condo, and she's going to do my laundry, and my dad's gonna, you know, put new oil in my car. I'm not even driving my car, but he's gonna do an oil change on my car. You know, they're gonna do whatever they can do between now and when I'm well enough to do this alone, because. What else can they do? What else can they do? Yeah. Really? And they have to do something. Like, and like, that's now I know. to do something. And the as anger a, towards it is yeah, strange, like, but what it's else real. Could you have da- what, what else? And, and you're not. No, because it was the same thing with them. They, they were like, take the semester off. Yeah. And they're far away. So this is a double whammy. Like, you've had surgery. Yeah. You're away at university. You're not living at home with your parents. Right. So now, like, this is a double whammy for the parents. Like, Mm -hmm. my daughter's been through this, and I can't go and open the door at midnight and see if she's okay lying Mm. in bed. Yeah. You know, so I'm going to drive to Kingston, and I'm going to get her groceries. Yeah. Yeah. I don't care if she tells me no. I'm doing it anyways. Yeah. That's that's what I do. And that's my dad, you know. Think. He, he's like, at any second, like, call me. Like, I will just come wherever you... He's still the same, you know? He's always been like that. And that's what he'll, he's, he, he likes to say, he's, he's like, I'm Tim Hortons. 24 hours a day. <laughs> I love it. And my mom, too. Like, you know, they, they had a... Listen, they had a system. When I had cancer, it was my dad at night and my mom during the day. And I was diagnosed with colitis. It was the same thing. My dad at night, my mom during the day. And it's... Thank God in. for them, but th- but it's like, oh my God, when you're diagnosed with this other illness, you're back in the hospital, you're back with the same situation, you're like, oh cool, this is my life. Yeah. This is my life, where's my agency? I'm just a patient. I'm just a patient who has no control. Can't plan anything. Can't plan anything, who's trying her hardest to be whatever, whatever yeah. normal even is. I mean, the older I get now, the more I talk to people in undergrad, they're like, oh no, I was miserable in undergrad. I was drinking myself. Silly, like every yeah. lots of people are dealing with stuff, and we're all trying to live up to this image of like yeah. I'm normal and cool. Yeah. Nobody talks about it. Nobody you know, talks about anything. So you obviously had Anyways. decided to have yeah. the J pouch, or were you forced? Yes. To have the no, no, no. So okay. I decided the body image, eating disorder, anxiety, depression that had manifested and, and been you know this disgust really that I had had for my body since I was ten did not go away. 
and was exacerbated by the ileostomy. Yeah, as yeah, for sure. Wouldn't make sense for anyone. And again, are the body image, self-esteem, mental health implications simply of having an ileostomy discussed? Mm-hmm. No. No. No, it's, they aren't. This is how you clean it. Yeah. This is your appliance. This is your appliance. Are, here's some products that you need to purchase for this. You might get skin irritation. You might get this. Yeah. You might get that. Like, this is what the output it. should be. If the consistency is not like this, then you need to make sure you're eating this yeah. or you can take this to help you. Yeah. It's very, like, and it's I, acute. It's very yeah, it's, acute. It's, it's, yeah, it's just the physical. Yeah. The physical care. Like treating, treating the entity. This bones. is an entity. Yeah. Bare, bare bones. This is a, this is a, a situation. This yeah, is this is the specific body part, and this is how you care for that body part. Yeah. You're, we're, first, we're treating the blood, then we're treating the, the colon, and then we're treating this ileostomy, and nothing is connected to any part of your brain. So you were supposed to have a J-Poach six months later. Did, was it six um, months I later? I think it was no? about six months okay. later. Um, so and, and I remember just... and having an ileostomy, it would burst. Right, of course. Would, you know, all this crazy stuff. So I just ended up, again, I was in Kingston for these last six months. So it, not only... So wild. I can't even, like, t- saying this out loud, I realize how crazy it is. But So, yes, I am dealing with the pain. I'm not able to lift things. I'm trying my hardest to just focus on these three courses I'm taking. And I'm still feeling like, oh, man, I should be able to do it for a full course load. And then I'm also terrified because I know I'm going to have to be getting surgery in six months. And I'm dealing with an ileostomy that's you're know, not never accepting. really stayed on my – never accepting. Don't want to even look down there. And also it's bursting, so I'm just staying indoors more and more. I'm not going to friends' places. I'm not really showing myself. You don't want to have an accident? I don't want to have an accident, and I'm so embarrassed that nobody really knew what was going on. Um, Six months later, I get the J-Pouch. It took me, honestly, like at least a year for me to feel like I could even leave my house and feel comfortable with it. Right. Wow. Yeah. So that year I did spend... Because do you think more... Because of physically you were having trouble or because mentally you just didn't trust it? I think that for me, throughout this whole thing, the mental and physical are so connected that it's hard for me to differentiate. Right. But I think it was both. Right. But a lot of it was definitely mental. Like I had Which severe kicks up the, depression. It's, it's, and yeah. the mental kicks up the physical. Like And the mental kicks up the physical. My f- I flare, and I've said it many times before, my flare is not related to food. I flare strictly related to tr- stress. So when the weather yeah. changes and when my life is like under turmoil. So like if, yeah. you know, situations with family or, or having to write report cards or, you know, someone makes me feel uncomfortable and this gives me anxiety for a few days. It's, it's like, it's guaranteed. And it's, what's like, really hard with that is you blame yourself then. Yeah. Like right? I just, if but I wasn't it, freaking out, then I wouldn't be flaring right now. So like, it's like, yeah. it's really hard. It's a cycle that, that just is very difficult to, to get out of yeah. once yeah. you're in or it. Or understand. Yeah. We like have you to, can't, you just tumble through. It's like a dryer. You're just tumbling around, tumbling around, tumbling around. Like, Until you get that day where you feel really good. You know, maybe one day in all of the... You Where you don't have much pain. Then and you then don't it, have any pain. And it's an emotional think, boost, too. You're like, okay. like I'm feeling good. And then the next day, you don't. Yeah. yeah. So the first like, you're like, oh, my God, I feel good. But how long is this going to last? Yeah. I yeah. better make the most of this. Like So much yeah. pressure. So I can't much... even do anything on this day because I thought, overthought it. <laughs> and I feel like shit again. So <laughs> Yeah. I know. I had a lot of those. I had a lot of those in my last flare where I'd just be like... I was living in Chicago in my flair, and I uh, would feel good, and I'd have so much to do because I lived in the city where I wasn't really from, and I had to get all these documents. I had to go downtown to, for work and stuff, and so I'd like try to plan it, and halfway through the day, 
I feel like shit again. I'm like, oh, that's it for a while. So yeah. Head back. Head back right. now and rest up from the show. And the other difficult thing about that is, you know, we always say, and I always say, like, talk about it, get support, be open. But when you are talking about it to people who, you know, especially in university, often if I would talk about it, I'd actually feel more alone because they there's no way for them to really understand what's going no, of on. Not. So they're trying to relate it to their own situation. They're like, oh, I know how it feels because sometimes I get stomach aches. And that can make us as well, people just, dealing I, with this. Yeah. You just want to reach so over and be like that you literally, yes, <laughs> you would like to do them physical harm sometimes yeah. when they say those things. So then you're like, I feel even more um, isolated because nobody understands what I'm talking about. And even when I try to explain it to you're people, it. they're you're like, undercutting they're it. like, oh yeah, well I have IBS. You're like, okay. Like, why don't you try eating Have this? you had your colon removed? Have you been on prednisone? Are you terrified of hospitalizations? Is every part of your life affected by this? Yeah. Have you been to a hospital or do you just go to a walk-in clinic? But it's normal for people, <laughs> <laughs> it's so normal for people to try and relate things to their own experience because yeah. that's how they connect that's with how, you. Yeah. Well, they, yeah, they, yeah they, a lot of times people, people are, yeah, a lot of times people are just doing that because they want to try to say to you, like, you're not, a, like, you're right. not, a, yes, you exactly. know, they, like, let me try, what can I say? I talk, mm -hmm. I talk you know? about this in my, um, I do communication workshops mm. and uh, I talk to people about this. My classic thing is the airport story, right? Like when you have somebody who's had a really bad uh, experience on <laughs> a plane yep, yep. and they're trying to tell someone and that person is just like tuned out already because they can't wait to tell their experience. Mm -hmm. They had one that was even worse mm -hmm. than yours. Yeah. yeah. So it gets to like a competitive. And sometimes oh, yeah. it's out of like, it, it's. But it's empathy. Like we yeah. are trying to. Yeah. We are bridges. trying. Sometimes, and sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's people who are like, like no, like Emotional if, vampires, if you yes. do this, <laughs> you <laughs> will be everywhere. better. Like, well, that's another. You know, that's like, another thing. Oh, I was cured of this by whatever. Yes. And I, and again, and and I did all of that. I should say that you know throughout this, the colitis symptoms, I would, I would go through times where I would say, okay, maybe goji berries will cure me. Like you're so desperate. It's yeah. hard to explain how yeah. desperate you are for a solution. That you're you're willing, as educated and as intel you know as you are, you can try and cling to anything that anyone will tell you. So there were definitely times where I was like, oh, Mark Might Jacobs, Mark Jacobs was cured by colitis from whatever, so I'm going to try that. I'm going to go to a Chinese medicine doctor. I'm going to go to acupuncture. I'm going to um, go to a naturopath. And I'm going talk to, to and, Gwyneth Paltrow's. I'm going to talk to put a jade egg somewhere. The thing is, like, all of these things actually do have a place, and are there's there are lots of supports, but because there's no integration in our system, it's seen as one. Or, at least for me, yeah, I saw it as one, one or the other. Right. I'm going to go the Western route. That's not working. Or you're going to go I'm the hippie gonna, route gonna go the alternative route, yeah. that's not working. I'm gonna go to this person, they're telling me they can cure me. I'm gonna go to that person, they're saying they have the answer. And so you're, for me, I was flung around, like desperate for somebody to just Man, I did cure me. I did all those things. Chinese medicine, yeah. naturopath, everything. like but, everything. And, and I realize now that actually all those things had a place. Yes, yeah, that's right. It, but all of those things need together, to exist exactly. They need to be tumbling around with us in the dryer together. Yeah, so you, you are putting your faith in one of those approaches it's not to work. cure you no. and to act as a cure, yeah. it, but it's not going to help. But people brought it up because it is part of it's the It's part of, I think of the stress arsenal. is like the, yeah. the nexus of it. So what's going to help you deal with the stress? And then there's the, um, 
I mean, and the physical symptoms, of course, but they're so connected to the stress as well. And then, you know, what's your nutritional support? Yeah. What type of supplements are you taking? How are you caring for yourself? What, what are is you your self care? In terms of fitness and movement, what like, are you doing are you? in terms of movement? Yeah. Yeah. You know, what's your social support? So again, Chantal, when you were talking about this beautiful utopian future where we get all these supports, I think all those things need to be part of it as well. And it's not like we don't have them available. No, everyone's available. Yeah, They're we all have exist. these accessible, and a lot of it's not supported by insurance. And and our system again, our system does not mold Western and alternative together. Right. Our system has yeah. a clear divide between the two of them, and it's fed by the clear divide is our insurance companies are going to cover the Western side of things and they're not really going to cover the other side of things. And if they do, it's limited. And if they do, it's not connected. And our Western doctors are not talking to the alternative right. solutions that we're having. And there's not even studies that bridge the gap between no, these two they're things. they're speaking you know? completely different languages. So you yeah. don't think you can choose, you have to choose one or the other. Yeah. Um, no, it's, is, um, it's really unfortunate. And I think, yeah, the amount of money we would spend over time <laughs> yeah. if, we, if we gave oh, some God, support, yeah. right? Can you imagine if we yeah, just if, got people if under system, control and feeling yeah. like, oh, I have designed, you know, at time of diagnosis or within the first few years of dealing with anything, oh, I have, I, the agency that I hold within myself, have, with the support of all these other people, cultivated a system that, that works, that for, works me, for me. And I know who to go to for each thing. There's communication between yeah. them. Yeah. And... I've, I've ma- I can manage this this way. Yeah. But if it's just yeah. you on your own being flung around, it's impossible. Yeah. And it, and each person is dif- is different too. Like yeah. we've talked about people and, you know, there's you dealing with this, uh, with this situation. Now let's put you in like rural Ontario. Oh let's my put God. you in like. I can't even imagine. Access community. I can't there's no that. access. There's no community. There's no one for you and to talk to on people. a regular basis. Yeah. Which we, is why that PACE program is the pay, trying to do the best as they can, you know? Yes. Yeah. I mean, so I talk about this all the time. <laughs> like, all the time. Just access and, to care. And anytime I, I meet a doc, like, I was at a party recently, <laughs> and I mentioned this because I, as soon as I hear someone's a doctor, I'll start talking. Oh, hi. Yeah, literally. <laughs> and he was, like, kind of running away do? from me throughout the party. <laughs> Anyways, but, but I think he's sort of, fair, fair enough, he sort of rolled his eyes at me and he's like, what are you complaining about? Like, you live in Toronto. The access to resources you have, you don't even, you have no idea what it's like for, for someone. In the, but I'm like, but that's the problem. If if me in Toronto being treated at Sick Kids and Mount Sinai with the best access for care, with a loving family, with friends, like. Driven to find your own dr- solution. You know, if if it was so difficult for me. What's it like for people who don't it, have these abilities? You know, yeah. then, then it's my obligation to spend my life understanding yeah. this because most people can't. Which is what brought you to being the integrated wellness educator that Yes, you are. exactly. So, so Montana that's a long has... answer to your first question. <laughs> Montana has an amazing we'll website. Yeah. <laughs> Montana has an amazing, amazing website. So it's montanaskurka.com. So M-O-N-T-A-N-A-S-K-U-R-K-A.com. Um, and you, you've got, you post blogs up there. You have just started, recently started a po- podcast. I have. I love the name Life Support. Oh, thank oh, you. Yeah. Great one. It How was. perfect is that name? It is really a great name. Um, so you, you've got a podcast where you're interviewing healthcare professionals just about helping to break the stigma around mental health and chronic illness. Exactly. Like, th- and those two that undoubtedly 
are connected. Like mm -hmm. there should be a hyphen, mental health hyphen, you know, chronic I mean, illness. It shouldn't even be an and. Like this is just, we should make a new word. A hundred, a hundred percent. Let's Crontal. do it. Because you ask. Crontal. Crontal This is no, it. Because you ask a five-year-old, is it going to make you feel sad if you're in, like, it's so obvious. Like, are you sad? Because are you you're sad when your tummy aches all the time? Oh are you going to feel scared all the time when you're like, uh, duh? Yeah. I know. It seems it is so. It's such a. But we don't deal with it. We it's just a, don't. It's a one hundred percent common. Like yeah, our system is very fragmented, right? So there's the mental health resources. There's the illness. There's different illnesses have their own. You know, we have such a specialized again. Yeah system that's become so specialized in certain things and so knowledgeable about certain things which is amazing but it's like we've lost the connection yeah. in our hyper specialization yeah yeah like we can't ask yeah. doctors to specialize in every disease and organ in the no. body and I get that. but there also needs to like but that communication and that understanding and that a general knowledge needs to be there with other other sections of, yeah. of our life. I mean, I think it's just like, like look at it from a scientific perspective. Somebody gets a, a diagnosis, you know, that's like a, that's a, an action and every action has a reaction. So yeah. somebody gets that diagnosis, they're going to feel feelings. They're going, there's going to be fear. There's going to be confusion. There's going to be uh, helplessness, all of that stuff. Something needs to happen right at that point yes. that starts managing the, the, panoply of emotions that you are feeling exactly like from we're, that we're really good with diagnosis and you know living in toronto and having the access that we do like i'm so i'm so fortunate for the diagnosis i've been yeah, given and you know like and in my last 12 years those diagnoses have grown to not just crohn's disease yeah. and ulcerative colitis like yeah. i've been diagnosed with many other things issues with my brain and my and my bones and my nerves and and when i get that diagnosis yes is i mourn it but i also welcome it because okay now there's a title. I can look this up. I can figure yeah. this out. But our reaction to the diagnosis, we're really good at the diagnosis, but we we really have no idea how yeah, to react. There needs to right. be there our needs... system doesn't know how to react. So and, our and medical I agree system... with what you're saying. I agree with what you're saying about like you can't specifically ask the doctors and nurses to know everything. You don't know everything and yeah. take it on there. But likewise, you can't ask a patient's primary caregiver to do everything to do it all no. you know yeah. like right so our our medical system is amazing at acute care that's what it was designed for it was designed to treat symptoms and acute yeah. medical emergencies yeah, yeah. and our system was not designed for this management of chronic illness long term uh, long term yeah and so that my role as an integrated wellness educator has really been crafted through time trying to fill these gaps for people and trying to be that constant support um, trying to, um, so it includes health and wellness coaching, it includes advocacy, it includes um, yoga and mindfulness and meditation, relaxation techniques. Because you're a yoga teacher. I am a yoga teacher. Yeah. I'm also actually, a, I have a background in teaching as well. I'm a yoga teacher, I'm a health and wellness coach, certified in that, and so kind of crafting it all together to help patients through the process. So people no can work where with they you are on the journey. People can work with you one-on-one. -on -one. I know on your website you talk about how yes, you have one-on-one -on Definitely one-on-one. -on -one. And I it's been really incredible is that recently I've been able to work a lot with adolescent girls. Mm. And you know, we talk about this body image stuff that's been creeping up and because of my experience as a as a teacher in the classroom, it's an incredible way for me to incorporate the coaching, the um, the yoga, the mindfulness, 
just explaining my personal story and telling them that I can relate to them because as we said before yeah. meeting someone who's gone through something that you've gone through um, if you're on prednisone which is diagnosed which is um, a treatment for many many, many, many for everything yeah. Yeah. then you can relate to that no matter what you're dealing with um, and social media is not helping you social media is yeah. I'm terrified and I'm seeing yeah. it yeah like I've had this fear as social media has become more and more pervasive in people's lives I'm like yeah the amount that I was struggling with, we did not have Instagram. Yeah. Like, I cannot imagine. My students are the same, and it's boys yeah. and girls. Like, oh, absolutely. What they're dealing with. Absolutely. What they, what they're, they're constantly bombarded. Adults. Adults, you know, you go to a restaurant. Daryl and I, you know, try to – we like to go to a new restaurant once a week, and you look around, and everyone is sitting there on their phone. Yeah, I uh, – Like, everybody. It's – Everybody. And what you're – you And they're, they're all so um, – you're taking there's that, in. There's that sense of uh, if I'm not on social media, I'm missing out. Yeah, on the, you're not getting that, that validation. There's no. Um, it's a, it's feels yeah. Like but a, as you're scrolling and you you spend you know one second looking at a picture of this or what, and then the filters that are you know why do we why why is there filters why are there filters one second looking at a picture that you don't even think you process that is an image that is ingrained in your head that tells you what you're supposed to look like and how you're supposed to be acting. So we know like, now. Mental illness is, is rising exponentially with this younger generation that are in school right now. Um, especially young girls. Mm -hmm. Suicide rates are going up. Depression yeah. rates are going up. Anxiety rates are going up. And it correlates exactly with the rise of social media. Uh, so I think about... Sorry, I don't mean to... No, I just no, I think I just, it's important to paint this picture because yeah. it's like on top of that being on... Yeah. Going through any sort of health crisis, like any sort of trauma, any sort of trauma, any yeah. accident, any yeah. illness, it's like... Like, take a seven-year-old Montana and place her in 2019. It's... How much is how much more would that be exasperated exactly. for someone like you? And, and that self-image, I mean, the fact that you said you can't even look at pictures of yourself... Yeah. It means that there's still that shame yeah, as absolutely. an adult absolutely. in us. Absolutely. We can't even look at that person. We're so scared of that person. I'm getting well, married in July and, you know, I bought my wedding dress and my fear of either putting on weight or mm -hmm. getting sick and losing too much weight, it's exhausting. It controls tw me 24 hours a day. Oh, boy. <sighs> like, actually, it controls me 24 hours a day. Like yeah. you, you can, you can ask. Like, now imagine you know you asking were you, you how many times I've asked Daryl to take the <laughs> to take the little strip and measure the three measurements they took when they got my dress. I just said now imagine you were you thirteen, know? but I don't want to imagine you getting married at thirteen. <laughs> no, 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 so no. Take that back. So Montana, you know we're we're gonna uh, definitely post the link to Montana's website yeah. and her podcast, which is also linked from her website, on uh, our Facebook page. Um, there's so much there. There's yeah, so much. There, there's, there's so, so much, much we could have gotten just... into about the the blog postings that, I mean, they're just you pour your heart out in them, and it, oh, there's it's fascinating to you. look at all the different I... the the Jelly Belly story yeah. of talking to a um, the nurse a nurse who should have known better she than to do something like that. Yeah. She's oh, my pediatric oncologist. Oh my yeah. god. I think about it. I think about her calling me Jelly Belly. Once a week. You have to go yeah. read that blog post. Everybody, um, yeah. There's so I don't want to. I don't want. We don't want to summarize everything that's there for you because I, you you need to go to Montana's website. You need to look at these posts. You need to process them. You know whether you're an IBD warrior, you're an IBD sidekick, supporter of an IBD warrior, yeah. or you don't have IBD at all, and this podcast has just been brought to you and, and you've been listening. You know, 
and I, I think what's really important here is, and we talked about this before, but what's really important here is even if you don't think that mental health is impacting you right now, like it is. <laughs> there is no way you are chronically ill or caring yeah. for somebody who is chronically ill or have a child who is chronically ill and this is not somehow impacting your mental well-being. You, yeah. you, you, have to, you have to open yourself to this. You have to accept yourself to this. And unfortunately, because our system doesn't put it in place for you, you have to advocate for yourself and you need to go looking. You know, yes. Go to a support group. Go yes. to a professional doctor. Do something. Just do something to unlock or to help what you're going through. I wonder if you, um, if you could do like a breathing exercise right now with us or something to help us focus. Like something that maybe... Or in the pit of an anxiety. Maybe, what's a strategy yeah, we can do? Like so somebody who is... Um, anxious. Just extremely anxious. Just, you know, like maybe somebody who's been dealing with the implications of a chronic disease having a tough day, something to get them started in the morning or like a point of focus a or stretch. an affirmation or something that you right. have that you find really... Oh, an affirmation. I think that's great. I just yeah. want to say one thing about the, the podcast first. Sure. Is that yeah. cool? Yeah. Yeah. So I just want to explain that that's kind of was born out of all of everything we've talked about. Yeah. And so I talk to healthcare professionals, but I also talk to more alternative um, healthcare professionals. Great. Providers. Absolutely. Yeah. So I, I, you know, yoga teachers, health, I interviewed a health and wellness coach yesterday, mental health advocates, because I want to, inter, a relational psychotherapist was my first guest, and then an internal medicine doctor was my second. Cool. So it's kind of like a range of professionals in our community to, first of all, explain what they do, understand the wide variety of, of supports that are available for people to break the stigma and, and talk about all of our common struggles because there are points of commonality yeah. between us all. Yeah. Um, we can find commonality despite the, the dif different things that we go through. And also hopefully to provide some tangible resources for people so that even if right now maybe they can't afford or can't find that type of support, there is something that they can... It comes back to being a VIP, a very informed yeah. patient and very involved patient. Like right now our system is not going to do this for you. Yeah. So we need people like Montana. We need Montana's podcast. We need our podcast. We need, you know, we need people to be telling the story and expressing this stuff and, and putting it out there to give us the, the, the tools that we need to navigate ourselves right now. Absolutely. So I think for the affirmation and the, the breathing techniques, I mean, there are things I have to tell myself like throughout the day, every day, to the, even to, up to now, you know? I think that anytime you think that you're to blame for anything and there's something wrong with you, I think that you first of all have to examine that and then try and flip it and recognize, no, these things have happened to me. To there me. is a reason mm -hmm. for what, and I think that like for me when I started to recognize that it wasn't me that was to blame, that very quickly transformed into anger towards other people. Yeah, who <laughs> didn't um, suffer. No, no, Just anger. to to um, Jelly Belly Oncologist, right, right, right. to to anyone who mm -hmm. was part of this situation. But that and that anger, I think, is is part of the process. Absolutely. And then that anger slowly, for me, has transformed into okay, no, this is a systemic issue. Everyone actually is trying their best. Um, with limited resources, and these are behaviors that people have done, or these are systems that are not sufficient. So it's not 
anger towards people, it's, it's um, acceptance and understanding. And for me, um, being able to fuel that into making changes, talking, that's, this yeah. is literally, this you're is my the, therapy. You're like, doing this, the best you can. <laughs> teaching yoga yeah. is my therapy. It's like, what am I dealing with today? Yes. What is my biggest insecurity? What's holding me back? And how can I transform that into something that can help other people? I love that. I so, I mean, I think that mindfulness is really important in general. So mindfulness is simply bringing ourselves back to the present moment, taking a few deep breaths and feeling the breath in our nose, in our chest, in our belly, letting it out. Feeling, um, there's something called a body scan where you feel the sensations in your body and you go from body part to body part. All this stuff is online. You can find um, mindfulness exercises, body scans, loving kindness meditation. Yeah. If you're struggling a lot with anger, choose someone who is the one person that you that you actually love or feel connected to or feel supported by and start to just feel like you're giving them love. Appreciate and them. Eventually maybe try and bring that actually towards yourself. Mm -hmm. eventually towards people that maybe you do have anger towards, recognizing again that nobody is trying to harm us. Nobody is trying to make us suffer. Right. Yeah. Um, so I would say that's really important, practicing gratitude, which is hard because we can feel like, okay. It's hard in this day, that's for sure. It, it <laughs> is really hard for people struggling with all this stuff to feel grateful. But the thing is, like, think about all the insight that we all have that people yeah. don't. The understanding of how precious life is. I wouldn't. Um, I wouldn't change my life. No, I've said it many times. Yeah. I think Crohn's has been a gift to me. Oh God. Just, so to it's transform. It's a long road to get here, though. Yeah. And that's inc to transform post-traumatic stress disorder. Yeah. To, tra to transform trauma into post-traumatic growth. Look that up if you guys get a chance. I will. Post-traumatic um, growth. I love it. It's to, and to actually recognize the gifts that these things have given to us and the, our ability, our strength um, and our wisdom that we've yeah. had to cultivate yes. to overcome yeah. it. I'm fortunate because this my, my Crohn's disease brought Montana to us. Well, namaste. <laughs> namaste, everybody. Thank you so much. Montana, thank you so much for being here. You lit up this room. Yes, absolutely. Montana, you really did. <laughs> Your spirit is so beautiful. And uh, I, it, I mean, it, it's so encouraging thinking about the, the journey that you've had and where you what are today. Doing. Like, yeah. I, I just find it incredible. I'm, I'm very inspired by you. So check out our Facebook page, guys. We're going to post her website. We're gonna, um, you got to go on over your blog post. We're going to post links to her podcast, Life Support. Yes. Um, reach out to her if you yes, need some life coaching or wellness she's coaching. She's available and she's awesome. Um, and thanks. she's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for joining us. Strength and positive thoughts, guys. Guts and Glory is produced by Bang Albino, Inc., a full-service creative agency. 